Hello and welcome to another episode of Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories. I'm Curtis Robinson. I'm your host. I'm joined by uh, my co-host, Christopher Tidmore, who's recording us live to tape in beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana. On Christopher, his- how are you? I do well. We're on Historic Magazine Street at our great Hunter S. Thompson Tower looking out over the city. And it's kind of interesting because as we've been doing the radio show, People, you know, and doing this podcast, I've been in radio for 25 years, so I keep saying radio instead of podcast, but, you know, same difference. Well, I always say it's it's long-form radio. We just don't, uh, we're we're just so pure we don't broadcast. Exactly. Uh, you got to reach it. And so people have been coming back and saying some interesting questions and some not so interesting questions and some very insightful questions and some not. But we thought we'd take some of the uh, best questions that we have received and sort of answer them here on the air for people that came in. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, dear, dear audience, today's guest is you. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it starts off with the most basic questions. This question has probably been asked more frequently than any other question that we've received, and it's sort of like, well, how did you meet Hunter? What did you have, Hunter? How did you do? Did you actually know Hunter S. Thompson? Who are you, and how well did you know him? And I start with this question because... I don't know a lot of people that knew, other than maybe his wives, Hunter S. Thompson better than you did. Oh, I, I, I would, I would immediately refute that. You know, and it's a good question. It depends on on which era. Uh, the latter era, I consider myself an expert on. The early days, I would do that. I think, you know, I think that the, the person I know that I think probably uh, uh, in my era that has the keys. Uh, to that is probably Wayne Ewing. You know, Wayne yeah, uh, did, yes, yes. what, three documentaries. He did Breakfast with Hunter. If you want to see what, it, if you want the fly on the wall experience, you got to go see Breakfast with Hunter by uh, Wayne Ewing Films. Um, and then I would say, you know, outside of Wives, probably, if, if, if Deborah, if you're listening to this, I'm thinking of you. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact is, to answer the question, I suppose, yes, I met Hunter. Uh, we, we've done this on a previous episode, but yes, I met Hunter in the 90s. I was editor of the Aspen Daily News and, and got to know him. We we're both from Kentucky. So I had homeboy status. And it was a great time. It was, it was Hunter had been in a, in a little bit of a hermit phase. And he came out of that hermit phase. And uh, we got to know each other as we did some politics. We did, there was a huge airport election. And I was leaving the Aspen Daily News and starting my own newspaper, as I am wont to do. And um, just, you know, got to know him really well. Spent many, many uh, uh, Sundays watching football and worked on several of the books. Uh, Most notably, uh, the first letters book that uh, Douglas Brinkley edited, uh, Kingdom of Fear. And, uh, And then I think Proud Highway. But the letters books were sort of my thing, you know. Imagine what that was like. We we would we would sit in the middle of the night and we would read Hunter's letters. He had them all. He had them all organized chronologically, and we would read Hunter's old letters out loud, uh, and then choose and argue about which one should be in the book. We would like lobby poor Doug all the time about. Uh, I know I was always trying to get more girlfriend letters in because I thought the girlfriend letters were the funniest. We would say, you know, looking forward to you showing up Saturday. Uh, could you bring some beer? You know, it was, <laughs> it, was just, it was just so great. So great. 
but you know, and so that, that is, that is my answer to that. Although, uh, you know, I always tell people that, that, you know, I first met Hunter, like everyone else. I met Hunter through his books. When I, by the time I met him, I'd read everything. I was, I was such a fanboy uh, that, that my main goal was to not appear to be a fanboy. And, uh, you know, it's, and I know you, it, that was, it had been one of your goals to coming out to actually meet Hunter S. Thompson and people have asked. Oh, it's one of the reasons, it's one of the, yeah, it's one of the reasons I took the job, you know, I'll meet Hunter Thompson and die happy. <laughs> and and what impressed me about that is that you weren't the first person that went out of the way as a fanboy to meet Hunter S. Thompson. And most of the, most of the time, frankly, when he got the fanboy thing, he managed to shut them down so quick. It was, you know, it was almost tragic and hysterical at the same time. How did you avoid that? I mean, most of the time, fanboys would show up a Hunter and he'd make them feel like idiots for being a fan. You know, a lot of, a lot of it, when you're an Aspen, you kind of get used to meeting famous people. You really do. I mean, they're everywhere and you're covering them and, and you bump into them. And it's a, it's a little bit different. And, and I think when you've been in daily newspapers for a long time, you, you kind of have that, uh, you have a little bit of poker face because you're, you're used to not, you know, responding much because you don't want to give away that you just got a good story. So, so some of it's that. And, and some of it was just him. I mean, he was very, uh, I met him at his house. I didn't meet him out at Mars. I met him first at his house. And and being a guest at his house, you get treated a lot differently than if you, you know, interrupt his dinner and ask him to, you know, to to sign your girlfriend's breast or, or something, <laughs> which happened. Yeah, yeah. that's it, it, some of these stories. It's amazing how Hunter, who uh, the the more I've learned about him, the more I for all the for all the Gonzo journalism that he's writing about, he's the cerebral subtext that's in all of his books. Is a lot of who he was. He was, yeah, he had he, he drug a lot. He had a funny, was, but he was an incredibly deeply intellectual person. Even though he, you know, didn't always, he, he was trying not to have that overt image, and so he actually respected smart people. I think that plays it the best way. He liked smart people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he did. He did. He he liked to. Uh, uh, he did. He 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 always said is. Uh, you know, good questions were so hard to come by, but, uh, but that's the answer to, to that particular question. Uh, we should also note, uh, since, since people ask me that about, yeah, I'm like, one of the things that uh, we should say is that you never met him in person. I think that's one of the things, uh, people who want to hear about, you know, the, the first Hunter story that you've contributed had to do with the, uh, uh, when he died. It had to do with Andrew Dice Clay and a fist fight. Oh, yes, yes, just, and, and you know what? And at that point, we should we should say it's on an earlier episode. It's on an earlier episode, you can go back. It takes too long to tell the story. <laughs> Suffice to say, it has to do with Andrew Dice Clay, a fist fight with one of his old friends at the Improv Club, and um, uh, a, a young British actress almost getting mauled in the middle of it, and questions about Hunter yes, Thompson. It's yes, worth yes, seeing. Yes, it's yes. worth getting a few. Uh, go to that oh, fast episode. It's a great episode. Oh so, yeah, you can find it. You can find it, uh, and hopefully we don't piss off Mr. Clay because yeah. well the story will tell you why so that, <laughs> he does that, not come that, out that's looking a, too good in this story to well, say that, the that's, that's a good question and we, we what's 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 another I'm liking well, this now all right um so, um, and the most basic question that we get, and uh, let me do a shameless plug because part of, I was—I like to say—I was the first person to ask this question because I'm trying to create an archive of Hunter Thompson uh, books and stories and um, and and essentially essays at the Garden District Bookshop, which I own in New Orleans, so that people, if they if they want something rare, they can get it. 
And so the question I asked you, which has been the second most frequent question we've gotten is, if somebody's new to Gonzo, what reading do you recommend? Oh, man, I would defer to you as owner of the Garden District Bookstore in New Orleans, Louisiana. <laughs> well, great. Shameless plug is going. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> did, did we mention it again? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I get that a lot. I get that uh, when I'm speaking to students uh, a lot. And I guess the, the, the standard answer is Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. Yeah. People are familiar with the Johnny Depp film. Um, and okay, fine. My my answer to that, particularly for students who might be looking for more than just just uh, a, a good book, is uh, the Great Shark Hunt. I think the Great Shark Hunt is underrated. I love it, love it, love it. And I'll give you an example. Um, and th this is what I ask students to do: I say, go to the Great Shark Hunt, where you can have the full Las Vegas book experience. And by that, I mean. That book was written when he was sort of taking a break from a very heavy investigative piece about the death of a, of a journalist, Ruben Salazar, who was a legendary activist, journalist. Uh, there, there's a documentary out on him in the last couple of years. It's worth, I mean, he's a fascinating person. And essentially, during a, a protest, uh, he was killed by police who said it was a mistake, and maybe it was. You know, who knows? It was Los Angeles Police Department. So he was working on that. So you can go to the great shark hunt, and you can read that. It's called, and I, I always worry that I mispronounce this, but it's Strange Rumblings in Aslan. Aslan, if, uh, it's the name given to the, the Chicano activist movement, which is what... Uh, was what was active at that point in, in Southern California was it's the, what they considered occupied land of Southwestern United States. Mm -hmm. If you see the Bill Murray movie, um, where the Buffalo roam, that has this heavy tinge of revolution in it. And that skews much more to strange rumblings, uh, than it does to the Vegas book. So you start there and you read the actual piece. Then, then you can read a couple chapters also in uh, Shark Hunt. Shark Hunt's a book, for those who haven't seen it, it's got to be six, 700 pages. It's got a ton of stuff. But you can read the actual piece. Then you can read the cover, uh, the jacket copy, in which he says, uh, this was a failed experiment in gonzo journalism and explains what gonzo journalism is. Well, the few times he does that. And then, as a bonus, unbelievably, there are a couple chapters, including that great opening chapter from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So if you read those in sequence, you pretty much have the Rosetta Stone to, to some of the Hunter's better serious journalistic work. Then, you, then he explains to you what gonzo journalism is. And then you get a couple chapters uh, from the book that are they're just really really I mean you know there are no bad chapters in, in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas but uh, uh, it's really uh, it kicks off so so those are what the, if you're a student that's what I would give you if, and it's a it's a great gift uh, if if you have a Hunter Thompson person because a lot of people don't have that book that might have the uh, uh, Vegas book and it's. You know, there's stuff in there. One of my favorite pieces of his is uh, uh, 
called the ultimate freelancer. It's about, uh, it's, it's an obituary of sorts. It's one of his first obituaries I used to call it. So, you know, it's, um, and I forget Lionel's last name, but it's about this, this wonderful Lionel Ole, I think is, is his name, name, but he's the ultimate freelancer. And, oh, and he, and his, his, uh, respect for him comes out so much. And then there's also stuff for, that he wrote. He wrote a lot of stuff about the non-student left. Shark Hunt has um, some stuff from 1958 when he was uh, a non-student at Columbia. And, and that was kind of a thing, I guess, then to, to sort of monitor classes and sort of steal your education, as he would put it. And, you know, it's, just, it's, it, it, it's also the, the great Shark Hunt story itself, the, the title story. It's just fantastic. It's a Playboy story, um, but anyway, that that's what that's where I send students. Uh, it's a great gift, and since we're recording this uh, slightly before <laughs> Christmas, Christmas. Uh, if that that would be the one. It's not I have for only, me. It's, I only have one on the shelf. I have to order it this afternoon. So, but not, it's, it's, not it's, yeah, no, yeah. So <laughs> great. I plug I plug the one book. You have one of them. Good luck <laughs> getting great. more. By the way, uh, for friends and family of mine. I have five copies, <laughs> you don't so have I don't need any more. Well, the reason I keep I keep three just to hand out when I go places. So you, you need, you know, I carry I'm with a few. I carry a hundred books with me wherever I go because uh, I'm a bit, I've become a bit of a cranky evangelist uh, on some of this. But um, but all right, that's that's your that. Kentucky, what, what, your Kentucky what, roots. What, I'm curious before well, we someone, go. To the- if someone walks. If someone walks in your bookstore today and mm-hmm. says, "What should I get?" I mean, other than selling them the last copy of uh, Great Shark Hunt, what would you say? What would you? Um, well, what, I mean, obviously, I ask him the first question: Have you read Fear and Loathing? And uh, in Las Vegas, and um, believe it or not, there's a surprising number of people who've, ne- who've actually seen the movie have never read the book. Uh, and so that I, I kind of do. Well, that. That, that's one of the reasons. That yeah. was one of the reasons to do the movie. I yeah, mean, was, one of the great reasons <laughs> to do Hunter movies, and I hope there's ten more of them. Is that it brings people? It brings it brings people. It brings young people, and it gives you a great thing. If you if you're talking to a young person, they don't know who Hunter Thompson is. They don't they don't they don't know what Fear Lines is. They don't know who Johnny Depp is. They know who Terry Gilliam is, and you can say, well, they you know, see the see the movie, and if you really want to do it, say, well, you know, you ought to know Hunter Thompson. He's been played in the in the movies by. Johnny Depp and Bill Murray. Well, and, 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 you know, you the, know. the funny thing is that most people have an idea who Hunter Thompson is. And they've seen, you know, if they're coming in and asking something about gonzo journalism, you, you, um, and I've had this a couple, it happened a couple of times, they're kind of getting wanting direction. So I'm, I'll ask them the basic question. Sure kind of comes in. I, 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 sometimes I give Matt Mosley's book, Dear Dr. Thompson. Um, you know, because uh, I, I think it kind of gets his psychology. If you if you're trying to if you've read several of the uh, of the books, but I, I, I my one of my favorites is one that very rarely is ever said. But it's the political journalist in me. It's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail seventy two. It's uh, I I just I love that book. It's just I, did, I get a yeah. Out of you know it. there there are, there is some of that in Shark Hunt, yeah. which is one of the reasons. Uh, but you're right. It's if if you're if you've got a poli- yeah, that's true. If, particularly if it's a political person, you know, I work a lot in, in Washington and DC and, uh, people there, you, Hunter's a political writer. He's a campaign writer yeah. they, who wrote, who wrote this funny book about Vegas. They're like, yeah, he wrote that, you know, but they really, the, the discipline, uh, of his campaign trail book. I mean, it's just, it's just one of the classic political books. 
And uh, what, what was I forget? I should I should be able to quote the person, but they said you know it's the it's the least factual and mo- most true or something. I'm like, it, and I just I, I, by the I, way, I, I disagree some, with that. I think it was factual. I think I actually do think it was factual. And part of that is because for those that don't know, a lot of Hunter's writings were essays or of articles for Rolling Stone that he's kind of or, or other magazines, and he's trying to put together into a book at the end at the end of it. I actually think his his reporting is factual. It's just n- not the way people want to remember the incidents that come through, and um, he's looking at it from a from an activist, but also from a slightly skewed standpoint, as Hunter often would. And so it makes things it makes things creative. I I just I I, I well like his it. coverage of uh, his yeah. coverage of George Wallace is has been often cited. Particularly, uh, there was a great piece in the Nation I think last year that. Uh, if you want to understand Donald Trump populism, you can go and see its roots, probably other places too, but you can certainly see its roots there. And some of the things that, that, you know, he predicts, you know, just like, man, we should have paid a lot more attention. Well, <laughs> and, 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 um, and, and I'm, I want to, I want to say that cause I was about to go on a couple of things that I saw, but that's the perfect transition to our third most frequent question. What would, uh, Hunter S. Thompson have thought of Donald Trump, and you're, you're you're hitting it. He's actually talking about this populist anger when he's writing about George Wallace. He's talking. He's hitting all of these themes that are, are going to manifest. Well, he's also talking about Wallace was the only one of the candidates that could fire up a room to that degree, yeah. and 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 we ought to worry about it. Um, and and it it's just the parallels are, are even stronger than that. But it but yeah, I think. I think what people would be surprised by, and I get that question a lot, like, like, what would Hunter say? I'm like, you know, if I could, if I knew what, if I could think like Hunter, you know, I'd be a, I, I'd write Hunter books. Uh, so, you know, that said, <clears throat> I think, um, I think he would be a lot more Amy Goodman than NPR. I think he would be, you know. Uh, I think some of the things one of I was talking to a, a Hunter crony the other day and said the the worst thing that Donald Trump ever did to him was make him vote for Joe Biden. And and if you remember, you know, Hunter, after, you know, being pro Bill Clinton, he turned on mm-hmm. turned on the wrong thing. That makes it seem like you know, he made a personal judgment. But he but, you know, he was like, elect the best you can and then and then give them nothing but unadulterated hell and hold their feet to the fire. You know, for the rest of the, of of their lives, and I think that you know, it would be interesting to see how he would walk the line between how do you be critical and hold the administration to its word, and at the same time not empower the other side. It's a uh, it, it's a difficult thing, and he, and he would he would be good at it, but he he was you know he he was not party partisan at all. And that I want to get in. Um, this is a question we've received only once or twice, but to me it's the most interesting question on the list. And it's how did writing for Rolling Stone allow Hunter to be Hunter in a way that writing for anybody else wouldn't? Well, that is that, that, that's one of those Spotify questions. Spotify questions are always really, really good. I don't know why that is. You know, I would I would say two things about that. One is that Rolling Stone was, and I think 
the editorial slant of it and things because they, had, <clears throat> they were writing about music. They were used to having a certain informed opinion tone. And you have to remember that he rose to fame and power there when they changed the voting age. They took the voting age from 21 to 18 and everyone was like, well, how in the world are we going to reach those strange people? And one of the things was they read Rolling Stone. And so Hunter's writing, he was like, he was sometimes called the first blogger for that reason. It was like, it empowered him because, well, well this is what the crazy youth writers must be like. Uh, they bring beer to the press conference, you know? Um, so I think, I, think that's, I think that was part of it is there were all these voters coming in and, and the youth vote was going to be such a huge deal in the, uh, coming out of the 60s. But, you know, as Hunter says, the youth vote is the future and always will be. Um, but I think that was it. So, yes, I think, you know, I, I'm not 100% thinking that, as some do, that, you know, Hunter made Rolling Stone. Um, and I'm not sure Hunter that Rolling Stone made Hunter. But, boy, they were they were quite the team there for many years. I, uh, you know, I was, and it's kind of Rolling Stone, and there's actually, there's there's at least a long form article, if not a book, to be written, uh, uh, um, uh, rolling the history of Rolling Stone through Hunter S. Thompson's eyes, or something along those lines, because I think it's it would be one of the great pop culture books of all time, because there's so many rumors about Hunter and the relationship with Rolling Stone. Like, for example, our next question: Was he actually an advice columnist for Rolling Stone? You see, I think that's a ringer. Uh, that's a really good, that's an insider question. That's if that, if, if that came over the transit, that came from an assistant or something. And, and you know what? I guess the answer to that is maybe, uh, uh, in the nineties, Hunter was, they, there were ads, uh, he was going to be, he was going to do an advice column. I know about this because it was one of the few things, few paying gigs that I was going to help him with. So, you know, it crashed and burned. Um, he, yes, yes. The, the, one of the first questions was going to be ask the doctor, if I'm recalling correctly. And they put ads in the classified section. Remember, Rolling Stone had that, you know, at that time, a really robust classified section. And we got, we got some questions. The problem was one of the first ones is, is a young man wanted to know what kind of gun to buy for protection. Uh, at, at his home. And of course, uh, the, the, the response began, well, what you need is a shotgun. And we talked about the different kinds of shotguns and the wisdom of pistol grip or non-pistol grip and all that. But then the spiral began of like, I'm like, you know, this guy's going to go out and buy a shotgun. It's like, uh oh, <laughs> that's true. Well, what, what if he shoots someone with it? And that was it. We went into the spiral of paranoia <laughs> <laughs> calling lawyers, uh, are we liable? If this guy, if we recommend this guy gets a shotgun, what do we really know about him? We know that he wrote Rolling Stone to ask Hunter Thompson for advice. That's not reassuring. Um, yeah, that that's so, actually an expose on 60 Minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, and, and to my knowledge, we never, it, it, it fizzled and went away. But I remember working hard on a response to what, oh, you know, because I have opinions on shotguns and, and, and what sort of shells one would get for defense versus, um, I remember part of it was, could you progress? Could you have, if, if you had three shells, for instance, could you do a bird shot, buck shot, and then like a deer slug? Like, 
I'm like, well, that's crazy. I mean, you shoot a deer sling at someone who go through the door and kill someone in the street. It's uh, but anyway, mm-hmm. as you can tell from my response, that that's a good insider question. So I think, I think if it were a trivia question, you would have to say yes, but the trivia on top of the trivia would be it was never published. To my knowledge, it was never published. Well, and, and, and I like to say, you know, Hunter, S, Hunter Thompson was the ultimate constitutional protector, but he was also a boy from Kentucky. And that you can never forget that even though there's still people that we, one of some of the not so great questions were like, wasn't he from Denver and all this? He was from Kentucky. And I was curious, what I've always been curious about is Hunter was so much of an iconoclast. On the one hand, he's doing Fourth Amendment work with people that are false, that are accused or uh, overaccused. The famous case of what's going on um, you know, about the, the rape case and the, all this. At the same time, he's a pretty ardent Second Amendment uh, 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 person, and he's making the left feel incredibly empowered and incredibly uncomfortable simultaneously. Which, to me, was the perfect example of Hunter Thompson. It was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, uh, he. He. He exercised regularly by swimming, and he exercised he exercised his rights. He exercised his First Amendment, Second Amendment, and Fourth Amendment uh, regularly. So uh, we should we that's a that's a great but that's a great question. That's a great question. Um, and that brings us back to home. I mean, obviously, the, these episodes start with a, with the musics of Old Kentucky Home, and the fact that people still are astonished that. The Kentucky Gonzo Festival, you know, is what, why are you having a festival for Hunter Thompson in Kentucky? And I look at these people, and I'm sort of like, have you ever actually read what he wrote or something? Uh, but he he very much, what is the Kentucky Gonzo Festival? And one of the questions is, Curtis, do you have any affiliation with it? You know, we should we we probably should put a disclaimer on here. We we don't uh, we we know all the. Ron Whitehead and, and those guys. Uh, that wasn't part of my Hunter experience, but hopefully I think they're going to be live again this year. And if they are, then uh, maybe we can go in the podcast from there. There's some talk, uh, maybe there, maybe somewhere else, of doing a uh, Hunter Thompson Film Festival. Oh, and maybe we'll do that. But, uh, you know, and maybe we'll do that in New Orleans. I don't know. But, but you know, everyone's. The last time we started to look at this, we got hit with another wave of COVID. So we'll all be very, <laughs> very we'll be all very tentative. We'll be very tentative about these things. It's amazing about tempting the fates. People are people are just like, we want to do this, but we don't really want to talk about it because it, it probably gets shut down by COVID. It's yeah, we've, all, we've all become so superstitious. I, mean, I know I have. I'm like, I'm like, no, don't don't say anything. You knock on wood or whatever, whatever you need to do. Um. And uh, speaking of knocking on wood, we have to probably knock off this episode. I, I think we have to do a shameless plug because there will be a live conversation about um, a major element of Hunter, his funeral with our own Matt Mosley um, on January 16th at a book event in New York City with David Amram from 4.30 to 6.30 at the Art House Hotel. 4.30 to 6.30 at the Art House Hotel, January 16th, with Matt yeah. Mosley talking about his book, Ignition. Yes, and and uh, you might anyone uh, our New York friends will uh, uh, show up for that. Uh, uh, I can't believe that David Amram is going to be be there. And uh, uh, you should, if you don't know him, you should Google him because you're 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 meeting history, literally. Yeah, uh, say the least. Very excited about that. Well, that does it for us, Curtis. Final thoughts. 
Oh no, no, no! But I've, I'm I'm loving the question and answer, and it's uh, it's a lot easier. Uh, you know, as I've always said, it's uh, it's it's fun to get the hunter questions, and it's amazing how many of them you get. You know, I've I've taken to wearing the t-shirts everywhere, and uh, you want to be careful about that. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, folks, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week with a new episode of the podcast of uh, Hunter S. Thompson stories, Hunter Gatherers. <laughs>